0: Hello and welcome to Dark Concepts, a supernatural horror podcast written and read by me, Brian J. Cummings. We did it. We made it to episode 15, and I'm still here telling stories to you amazing people. Quick shout out to Courtney from the Spellcast podcast and my co-worker Bill for correctly guessing which story my last episode was tied to. For those who don't know, it was the House of Broken Mirrors, and if you haven't heard it yet, it's episode number 6. So, a few new things are coming. Um, The music is going to be redone for the podcast. I'm going to redo it. Pretty excited about that. And I am working on exclusive Patreon content, which I will start releasing next month. So, March of 2020. And once that's all done, I will be sure to let you all know. So with that, on to the story. After Nick's uncle has a heart attack and leaves his aging grandfather alone in the isolated cabin, Nick fulfills his duty in being his grandfather's caretaker. But when he begins to see things in the woods, Nick soon realizes that his grandfather may not be so crazy after all. Nothing in the dark. February. 1974. The idea of watching after his grandfather for the next two weeks made Nick Astor cringe. The guy was off his goddamn rocker and a hell of a handful to keep an eye on. To add insult to injury, this was the only weekend Trina had off work and that the two tickets to see Pink Floyd were now null and void. Uncle Denny had to go and have that damn heart attack, causing all the responsibility to fall on Nick. Uncle Denny was going to be okay, at least, but he would be bedridden for quite a while. Nick glanced out over the snowy front yard at the dead landscape and hoped that his Uncle Denny wouldn't be laid up for too long. Normally, seeing the snowy cabin surrounded by trees would be serene, but for some reason, Nick felt odd and couldn't find a way to shake the feeling. It started as soon as he entered Seeker Falls, West Virginia, a town still stuck in the turn of the century. He couldn't believe that the town, that he hadn't seen since he was around seven or eight, was still devoid of street lights. The roads were still completely covered with snow, untouched by a plow, and all the store windows had remained dark, despite the smoke rising from the chimney stacks. He passed a corner storefront that held displays of old books and crystals. Nick glanced at the sign and saw not words, but a strange collection of maddening symbols in which he didn't understand. Before he passed a nameless place, he saw a sign sticking up in the window that read, End the war before it ends you. His dad was always on the hippies, but man, these people out here were a whole different level of blacked out. Hell, Nick's mom had been a hippie herself, but she didn't act like these weirdos. The folks here were like a fucked up mix of all that went wrong in the 60s and the way back olden times. Like, back before Jesus kind of old. And they still somehow got by in the real world. How? Nick sure as hell didn't know, and he didn't care enough to find out. Nick stuffed his long brown hair underneath his knit wool cap and got out of the truck. He had received the old Ford F-100 from his dad when he died after falling out of a tree stand while hunting last fall. His brown suede boots sank deep into the seven inches of snow as he trudged his way up to the untouched front step. He'd have to grab a snow shovel and remedy this as soon as he got inside and situated. He knocked on the door to the old place and realized just how solid the door felt. Man, they don't make shit like they used to, he thought to himself as a large bearded man answered the door. A revolver pointed straight at Nick's face. The fuck you want, commie asshole? His grandfather, Roland Astor, growled. His voice full of gravel from years of chain-smoking palm Malls and countless nights of sipping bourbon by the wood stove as he pulled back the hammer. Gramps, Nick choked, trying to smile and simultaneously trying not to piss his pants. What? Roland barked, pushing the gun against his grandson's forehead. Jesus, Gramps, it's me. Nick, your grandson. Put the fucking gun down already. Roland stared at his grandson's face for a moment, his eyes cloudy with cataracts. How the man could see, Nick had no idea. He withdrew the gun and stepped away. Not even a hint of a smile on his face. Get in for you catch your death, he croaked, a sign of love from his grandfather if there ever was one. Nick exhaled and stepped inside, closing the door behind him. Inside the cabin was musty and dark, smelling like stale beer and layers of cigarette smoke that had caked tar into the exposed boards of the ceiling. Ah, uh, the smell of nostalgia, Nick thought as he coughed and allowed his eyes to adjust to the darkness of the place. He just hoped that Uncle Denny's room would be a refuge from this choking miasma of despair and loneliness. But knowing Uncle Denny, it would probably be worse in there. When his eyes finally found purchase on the old, dismal place, he located a clean enough spot on the beer-stained couch to sit. He didn't dare remove his hat, for his grandfather would probably mistake him for one of his damn commies, and surely would shoot him then. It's a damn shame about Uncle Denny, huh? Nick said breaking the uncomfortable silence that had nestled into the room. His grandfather sat across from him in the same old brown recliner that he remembered him sitting in when Nick was just a little kid. Gun still in hand, staring at the floor. Grandpa Roland grunted in what Nick thought was an agreement, but he couldn't be sure. He sat there a little while longer before Nick got up, and he said he was going to get situated in his uncle's room. Had Uncle Denny had the heart attack here instead of at the grocery store several towns over, Nick was sure he would have not only died, but his grandfather would have disposed of his last living son's body and told no one about it until at least the spring. That's just what you did in the old days, he said once after complaining about the fuss over the death of his own wife. You didn't make a lot of hoopla about dying. It was just there, wherever you went. Just pick up and move on. Good old Gramps, Nick thought wryly, putting his clothes into his uncle's bedroom, that in fact did smell worse than the living room. Lovely. He looked out the window and saw, through the fading twilight of dusk, the snow-covered trees swaying only feet away from the window. He looked up and realized that the window didn't have any curtains or blinds. Now that was a no-go. He could somehow deal with the smell of the place, but he wasn't about to go and sleep in front of a window that had a clear view of the woods like that. He looked around and found an old dirty blanket surrounded by empty packages of cigarettes and crushed cans of National Bohemian Beer. He hung it up as best he could, using a rusty nail on one end and shoving the other corner between the gap window frame on the other. How the hell his uncle was sleeping in front of a bare window like that was beyond him. It gave him chills just thinking about it. He stood back and admired the piece together handiwork When his grandfather's guttural scream rocked the house so hard, the shoved-in corner of the blanket fell off, revealing the window once again. Nick jumped and ran out of the room and into the hallway. What is it? Nick yelled, coming into the kitchen. He saw his grandfather standing at the window in front of the sink, staring bug-eyed out into the woods. They're out there, Roland said, unmoving, his cloudy eyes still staring off into the woods. Who's out there? Nick asked forgetting for a moment he was talking to his grandfather not just some crazy old man. Nick looked out the window and saw nothing moving around outside. They are, he growled, and began to walk away from the window. Goddamn fidgets, he muttered, walking by his grandson and plopping back down into his worn recliner. What the fuck is a fidget? Nick thought to himself, and then asked his grandfather aloud. You know, fidgets. Force folk. The woods around here are riddled with them. The nine-year cycles come back round again and some people are going to die. Yes, indeedy, but it ain't going to be me, no sir. It won't be you neither if you take and steer clear of them there woods, he said, looking up at Nick, who stood in the hallway now, remembering why he hadn't been back in so long to see his grandfather. The guy wasn't just off his rocker. He was completely bad shit. I'll be careful, he said, turning around and started back down towards his bedroom to finish unpacking. Nick spent the rest of the fading daylight shoveling the snow from the walkway outside of the small cabin to his truck, just in case he had to get his grandfather out of the house in a hurry. All the while, he saw out of the corner of his eye, Roland staring out the window, smoking cigarette after cigarette, keeping watch for his fidgets or whatever he called them. Afterward, he prepared dinner without much to entertain them besides an old crackly radio. Nick decided to head to bed early. At first, the smell of the place kept him awake, but he managed to drift off to sleep at some point. Nick startled awake from the sound of what he thought was someone yelling. He glanced around at first, confused, not sure where he was. Orienting himself to the strange and smelly room, he turned on the lamp beside his bed just to see his watch read 11.49 p.m. He rubbed his eyes and swore under his breath and groaned. He heard another yell, which got him out of bed and into the hallway. He could see the front door was wide open and could feel the winter chill creeping in. Throwing his boots and coat on, Nick ran outside to see his grandfather standing out in the snow, shirtless, waving around his revolver at the woods and bellowing like a madman. You're not supposed to be here, he roared and fired off a shot into the air, causing Nick to nearly fall out of his unlaced boots. Roland stared wildly into the woods, eyes wide, but the only retort Nick could make out was a gentle swaying of the snow-covered trees. Regardless, Roland pulled back the hammer of his revolver and started off towards the edge of the woods. Gramps, Nick yelled, knowing he was taking a chance with his life, yelling to his grandfather who was clearly seeing things. ghosts of the Great War in his head. Roland turned his head to look at Nick, but returned his eyes to the darkness of the woods. Get back inside if you know what's good for you, he growled as he continued onward. Gramps, come on. There's nothing out there. Roland turned and glared at him. For a moment, Nick thought his grandfather was just going to turn back and head towards the woods, ignoring him. But to Nick's surprise, he simply holstered the gun and trudged back up to the house. Nick followed him, but turned to look at the woods, the trees still silently swaying, as if taunting him. He walked his grandfather back into the house and turned one final time before walking inside. He froze. For a moment, Nick swore he could see a pale, shrouded figure standing in the spot where his grandfather had just been walking towards. He stared, trying to get a better look, and soon realized it was just the shape the boughs of the pines were making against the shadows. Nothing in the dark. He thought to himself as he closed the door making sure to lock each of the six assorted locks his grandfather had affixed to the front door. Nick finished just in time to see his grandfather retreat into his own room. Nick decided that he too should probably get some sleep, although he wasn't sure how easy that would be after what had just happened. That was enough excitement for two weeks. He made sure the blanket was still fastened over the window and fell back asleep within minutes. An odd chill came over Nick and he woke up once again turning on to his side. He opened his eyes and looked out into the snowy forest beyond the window. He bolted upright at the sight of it uncovered, in the unrestricted view of the dark forest. A loud choked scream sent panic flooding through him. The sound was unmistakable. It was his grandfather, only he had never heard his grandfather's sound, so... It happened again, and he could almost feel the blood in his veins icing over from the sound of sheer terror and pain. Jesus! As soon as he hit the hallway, he once again felt the winter chill of the front door wide open to the forest beyond. The crazy old bat probably fell out in the snow and broke his damn hip or something. He rushed towards the open door as another high scream echoed from the forest. Before he made it to the door, he felt something massive tackle him to the ground. Before Nick could belt out a scream of his own, he saw his grandfather's pale eyes glaring down into his own and he felt a rough, bear-paw-sized hand cover his mouth. He spat as he pulled Nick over to the corner. Nick could just barely see outside, and what he saw made his bladder nearly let go. He watched as something moved soundlessly by the front door, pale and transparent. He tried to scream, but his grandfather's hand muffled his cry. Shut the hell up, Roland growled. They was fixing to get you outside. Stay right here he added and despite being a hawking 78 year old man he traversed the main room of the cabin silently and opened up the closet door on the far side he pulled out a wooden box and brought it over and used the pale glow of the moonlight to look inside nick realized that it was an old world war 1 ammunition box that he remembered seeing when he was a kid the old man opened the top and revealed not a stash of bullets But a thick, leather-bound book, strange talismans, and what looked to be a magic wand. What the hell? Nick managed, but Roland pulled out one of the old talismans and handed it to him, along with the book. We're far too gone beyond the point of questions and answers, son. Roland said, I was counting on you not knowing a damn thing because I needed you to act as bait. That goddamn tree is back, and it woke up the things in the woods. You not knowing anything about this place was crucial to our operation. These bastards couldn't suspect a thing. Now, listen to me. Everything you need to know is in that there book. Despite how crazy it sounds, it's all true. Every damn bit of it. What I need you to do is take these. He handed him an amulet and another old-style revolver. And get into your truck and get the absolute hell out of Dodge. I could only hold this place for so long on my own. And these bastards have been after these secrets in that book for decades. There's a reason why I was entrusted it during my time in the Great War. Never lost a single man, and I won't lose one now. I'll die first. He eyed his grandson. The cloudiness that formerly filmed his eyes now oddly gone. What? What? Nick started, but before he could mutter anything else, Roland coughed an arm back and slapped him across the face. It wasn't a hard slap given the sheer size of the man's paw, but it was enough to get the point across. Nick blinked. You heard what I said, boy. No questions. I need you to follow orders, soldier. Go! He picked him up and practically threw him outside. As soon as his feet hit the wooden planks of the front porch, he slid and spun, looking towards the forest and couldn't believe what he saw. Wisps were flitting about in the snowy night, things with elongated, skull-like faces. The jaws hung open, revealing rows of dagger-like fangs. They screeched and moaned and began heading towards him. Nick didn't think, just started running full force towards his truck and jumped inside, slamming the door shut in a panic. He reached inside his pocket and found his keys and started the truck. Nick had thrown it into reverse before he realized that the beings were not going after him, but were now going inside the house. Faintly over the sound of the sputtering engine, he could hear a loud roar. It took only a moment for him to realize that it was his grandfather's battle cry. Gunshots rang out in the night, but before long, six blasts had sounded, and he heard the roar that had turned into a tortured, blood-curdling scream. Without thinking, Nick left the amulet and the book on the seat and grabbed the gun. He ran into the darkened cabin and saw the beings, now more solid, hunched over something in the corner. Blood was splattered on the wall behind them, and the five that had remained turned to see Nick. The screams they emitted as they rushed towards him should have caused Nick to become paralyzed, but in that moment, the heat of the sound of his grandfather's dying screams carried him to a point in which no sound could cause him to falter. He raised the weapon and fired several shots, watching as the beings fell and vanished into nothing, before one grabbed hold of him and threw him to the ground. Stars danced in his eyes, and everything blacked out for a moment, until his eyesight swam back into view, just in time to see the horrid skull of the thing open its jaws wide, preparing to plunge its fangs into Nick's throat, when a final gunshot sounded. The thing slumped over, and Nick felt as the icy grip fade from this world and dissolve into nothingness. Nick sat up, then looked over to see his grandfather, holding the gun that he had just dropped. The man was a bloody mess, but stood tall, eyes gleaming with a strength that seemed to press beyond the standard mortally allotted boundary. Before Nick could say anything, Roland dropped the gun and fell forward, landing with a loud crash that shook the cabin. Nick ran over to his grandfather and saw, to his horror, that the man's throat had been ripped out. He staggered away from him, seeing the wide eyes of his grandfather. Not wide from fear, he saw, but wide with wild and determined fury, the same kind of dauntless fury that caused Nick to run inside and try to save his grandfather from beings he couldn't even begin to understand. It was then he realized that there was a reason why his grandfather was chosen to guard what he was guarding. The same courage and grit that drove his grandfather, in the blood that now grew icy in the winter air, staining the wood floor of the old cabin, still flowed within Nick's own veins. And now, the responsibility fell to him. What were those spectral beings? What happened every nine years in this strange little mountain town? Nick supposed the book would have those answers. He got into the truck and picked it up for a moment, looking at the old cracked leather surface. An eight-pointed star enclosed in a perfect circle was embossed on the front, and it was wrapped tightly with a leather strap. Upon unwrapping it, he half expected the old thing to be written in some arcane language he wouldn't be able to understand. But upon the first page, he read in clear English. Property of Abraham Aster, Guardian of the Firmament. Guardian of the Firmament? What the hell was that? And who was Abraham Aster? A relative? So many questions from just the first page of a massive book that he now held in his hands. So many questions that even after coming through the mind-bending assortment of spells and sigils would provide no answers. Authorities weren't surprised about Roland's death, and much to Nick's astonishment, nobody asked him any questions. The death was blamed on a cougar attack, of all things, and Roland was buried a few days later. That was that, he supposed. Nick was almost ready to leave town when he was stopped by two black sedans with flashing blue lights. The sight of them gave him an oppressive feeling that he couldn't explain. A man got out of one of them, flashing a badge upon approaching, but never took off his sunglasses, despite the cloudy day. Agent Carver, FBI, he said, nonchalantly. Leaving town? Nick told him yes, and gripped the steering wheel a little tighter. The sight of this made the agent grin slightly. Glad to hear it, say. Do us a favor and don't mention anything you saw up on that mountain to the press. Could you do that little thing for us? Better yet, we would prefer you didn't speak to anyone about this at all, not even your uncle. His tone grew more serious. Nick got the distinct impression that this man wasn't FBI at all, but something else entirely. We wouldn't want anything to happen to you, because now you know. He got a little closer to the truck. You know that there are things out there in the dark, things that watch, things that listen, things that wait. He pulled away and began to walk back to his sedan. Do us that little favor and everything will be just fine, Nick asked her. Everything will be just fine. Nick never returned to the town of Seeker Falls, and he took the advice of the mysterious agent, never telling a soul about what had happened to his grandfather in his cabin. Not until the time that the truths within the leather-bound book were to be revealed. Not until decades later, when the darkness returned to this world and took everything with it. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, feel free to give a positive rating and a review, and feel free to subscribe or follow. To keep up on what's happening with the podcast or anything I've written, brianjcummings.com is the best place to connect and see the stories in a written format. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where I release two-sentence horror stories every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'll be back in two weeks with another story from the darkness of the witching hour. So keep a candle nearby, because you never know when the lights will go out.